Hey everyone, welcome to 41 Strong, Chuck Tate here, and today is episode 100. And for those of you that are joining us for the first time and you're wondering, what's 41 mean? I published a book two years ago called 41 Will Come. In scripture, the number 40 represents a season of waiting and a season of trial. But on day 41, year 41, that delivers a breakthrough, second chance, new beginning. And for more information and some biblical examples of that, you can go to my website, chuckytate.com, chuckytate.com. So 41 Strong Podcast was birthed as a result of that book. And on 41 Strong, we do our best to deliver encouraging scriptures and stories to help people hold on and stand strong. And today joining me is my good friend, Pastor Dave Beringer. He is the pastor of Kalamazoo First in Kalamazoo, Michigan, a church that I had the privilege of sharing the 41 Welcome message with just a few months ago. We'll unpack that a little bit here in just a moment. And of course, he's also the author of a book called Mosaic Marriage, and we're going to spend some time talking about that. But first of all, I just want to say, Pastor Dave, welcome to 41 Strong. Hey, thanks for having me, Chuck. This is an honor. It's a privilege. Well, man, we're just, um, man, I'm personally stoked to, to have you here because it's episode 100. We have hit a milestone today, and I can't think of anyone better to join me than you. <laughs> Dude, congratulations, man. This is quite the feat. Hey, thanks, man. Well, um, Let's um, let's talk a little bit about you for those of you for those that are watching and listening and um, they don't know Dave. Tell us a little bit about Dave. Tell us about what you do, your family, all of the above. Sure, um, I've been uh, married to my wife Anne for twenty years. We've been together twenty four years. She's put up with me for two decades. I've got an eighteen year old daughter who will be nineteen in the fall. Then my son will be sixteen next month. So. Um, we have been together for quite a while, been in ministry together for 21 years and spent 12 years as youth pastors in the Detroit area and in mid-Michigan. And then we have been here at K-First for, wow, nine and a half years. Uh, honestly, we love our life. We love uh, what we get to do for a living. And most importantly, we love that we get to give people hope every single week. And that's it's been our dream to do that. And uh, we've just watched uh, God do an amazing job, not just uh, helping to heal a church, but helping to shape our lives. So we're just having a blast. Awesome, man. I, I, I love when I talk with pastors who really do love what they do. As we know, pastoring can be challenging. We know anytime you deal with people, you can have problems and every church has problems. <laughs> but uh, man, I just think it's, it's, it's awesome that you, you guys are very passionate about what you do. And Annette and I and our, our kids had the opportunity to, to come to K-First and hang out and, and get a front row seat to, to what you guys are doing. Very impressed by, um, by, by the church you have. And man, uh, the, just the worship, the culture, everything about it. Um, loved everything about it except for, for one, one thing. And that was the fact <laughs> that... <laughs> When I came to, to to preach, I forgot a belt, man. <laughs> I, I have never had a speaker ask me for a a bit of rope just to help keep their pants up. That was that was a first for me. <laughs> that that was a first for me, and I have I kept 
the piece of rope. Thanks to your, um, one of your staff, your maintenance man. I'm not for sure exactly who it was, but man, he went out and cut some rope, brought me the rope. It was a thick piece of rope, but we got it through the loops and it did its job, man. My pants did not fall down during the message. That would have been a whole different kind of 41. <laughs> that, would have been, that, that would have been a story of all stories right there. Man, I tell you what, that was um, that was crazy. I kept the rope. I like we were talking on the phone before the podcast began. I should have, I should have brought the rope with me. Then I could have held up the rope. Maybe I'll maybe I'll post it, post it today or something. But um, no, seriously, loved loved your church. Loved the the opportunity to be there. Was honored to be there. So let's talk a little bit about ministry. So you just shared you've been at K First. Is it nine years? Nine years. Nine years, and during the, those nine years, I mean, you've you've come in and and probably, um, man, just kind of did a reset. And um, did you rebuild the culture the way that that you envisioned, or or how when you when you stepped into to K first, um, what did you need to do? Um, we came into a church in 2009 that was originally planted or even conceived in 1931. And the way the board had described it to me was over the course of about a decade, the church had gone through what they termed as a slow bleed, just a lot of attrition, um, just some um, some things that have happened within the church, some, uh, just whatever, uh, just went through a very tough season. And so when we came in, uh, people wanted to know kind of what our vision was for the church. And my response, quite frankly, was I have no vision at all. I was a youth pastor that was becoming a lead pastor. And I didn't think it was right for me to come in with a preconceived vision other than the word health. I wanted to become a healthy church. And out of the health, I believe God was going to provide the vision. And what we began to see was some massive turnaround in the church, not necessarily like numbers growth, but we, we begin to see deeper relationships. We begin to see the, the unity of the church come together. And out of that vision began to pour out of health. I don't think health um, is discovered through vision. I think vision is discovered through health. And the more that our church has gotten healthier, I think the greater the vision has kind of um, widened in front of us. So uh, we're just excited that God has included us in on the story of K-First. And uh, I mean, this church has been in this community for well over 80 years, but I believe the best has yet to come for this church. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do. Amen, man. Well, we know that marriages are a big part of, of every church. So how important do you think it is for the people of, of K first to have a healthy marriage in order for your church to have, to be a healthy church? Can we connect those two? Absolutely. I think that a healthy marriage creates healthy families, which creates a healthy church, which should create healthy community. And I don't think that we should go the reverse. I think we should look in and pour immediately into marriages from um, premarital counseling and the dating life of teenagers and young adults into helping to f uh, foster just this atmosphere for which people can provide health for their marriage, which will flow into their children, flows into the community. I mean, I don't know if there's a, 
there, there are very few things that are better for your church to be known for in your community than for healthy marriages. Um, somebody, I was about five years ago, showed up to our church on a Sunday and says, I hear you're the you're the marriage church. And I just kind of <laughs> smiled and thought that was never our goal. But at the same time, people were showing up because everybody needs help with their marriage and they found somebody that actually cares. And I just run into a lot of pastors that are very intimidated. Within their marriage. Um, and so I just, I encourage pastors to talk about marriage to pour into it because it is one of the, Areas that I think is easiest to pour into because so many people are screaming for help. So to me, every church should be about marriage. Man, right on. And speaking of help, you have literally helped countless couples through a book. It's called Mosaic Marriage. And um, I tell you what, man, it is so, so good. And I'm not, I'm not just saying that. And I honestly have not read a lot of books on marriage. I do premarital counseling. I've met with uh, countless couples over the 20 years of serving in the church that I, I lead. But like you mentioned, so many marriages are struggling, are hurting, and it is vital to help couples in, in, in the church to have strong, healthy marriages. And your book mm-hmm. is, is doing just that. So the title of your book is Mosaic Marriage. Why don't you hold a copy of it so everybody could see it? And I want to just encourage everyone that's watching and listening, especially if you're a pastor and you're a leader, you need this book. This is going to, this is going to help you really any, any married couple, this will help you. If you're single, it will help you as you prepare yourself for marriage in the future. Um, I just, I just love, there's so many chapters. It's so, you can, you can read a chapter a day. It's a great book to read with, with your spouse, but why don't you tell us a little bit about how Mosaic Marriage came to, came about? Well, I I had this concept quite a long time ago um, when I was on a I was on a trip out east and I was in a museum and I saw a, a piece of art called a mosaic. And that's where I, I feel like just had this, honestly, a revelation from God regarding marriage. Um, a mosaic, honestly, is a piece of art that is made up of just shards of glass, stone, metal, just broken pieces of some substance. And I, it was one of those moments where I just, I had this epiphany that just simply said, you know, if I stand really close, All I can see is brokenness. Mm. But if I could take a step back, I really see an image that's there. And so many people, they have mosaic marriages. In fact, I don't know of a single marriage that isn't a mosaic. And what happens is we can get so close to our marriage in terms of our view is just right there. And all we can see is brokenness. But if we could really take a step back and to see that God is through our lifetime taking all of our brokenness and all of those pieces and he is actually forming something that is going to be beautiful, something that's going to be wonderful, but it takes a lifetime of bringing those pieces together. And if we will just kind of submit to God and submit the direction and the plans that he has for us, boy, that image continues to come together. And in the reality, the image is of him. He gets to be seen through our brokenness and through the, the shards and the pieces of our lives. And I want people to see that, you know, marriage, you don't give up on it in the immediate. It's a long time journey. And I've had people say, well, when is my marriage healthy? I said, my reply is health is not a destination. It's a journey. Hmm. 
And it's a constant journey through the different seasons, the different walks. And my wife and I are different creatures after 20 years of marriage. And every season has changed us and we've had to do different. Awesome. I love it, man. Well, let's, let's unpack some of the book. There's so much, so much there. And we'll tell people how they can get a copy of it here at the, at the close of the podcast. But um, we were talking briefly before. You know, on the phone earlier today, and it's something that, that tr- truthfully, it kind of blows my mind, and I know you've experienced the same thing, but um, when, I've, when I meet with couples, one thing that, that has, has caught me off guard is how many spouses don't want to allow their spouse to have their phone, to go through their phone, to have a Facebook password. There just seems to be a, a culture of, of secrets and a culture of this is, this is mine, you can't look at it. Why don't you tell me how you feel about that? Um, we have a culture of me instead of a culture of we when it comes to marriage. And we have missed out on one of the original lessons in the Genesis marriage story is the two become one. I mean, it's so important that Jesus even repeated that concept. And there's something that I, I push with couples constantly is that anytime I'm in for a win for me, it's rarely a win for the we. But if I'm in for to have a, a win for the we, it's always a win for me. And so therefore, if I can look at my phone as our phone, my life is our life and vice versa. Um, it, it helps create a, a culture of trust, which is a culture of oneness. And it, once we start breaking up that oneness, we go into mistrust. And that's the original Genesis story. Once trust is broken, all of a sudden they go into hiding areas, hiding things. And, uh, and that becomes a separation between couples. So to me, if we can just let down our guard and begin to develop trust, that develops intimacy, but without trust, there is no intimacy. And if we're in it for the me, the we will never win. But if we're in it for the we, the me always wins. Amen. And um, so a good rule would be then to just sit down with your spouse and say, hey, my phone is your phone. Your phone is my phone. It's, this, is, this is about us. It's not about me. Um, it's not about you. This is about us t- together. And um, I, I've seen some, some, some marriages heal when they're willing to open it. Because like you just said, it's all about trust. And if, if whenever, whenever there's a lack of trust, a marriage is, is heading for a disaster. We have to be able to trust each other. And that's just, that's just a simple thing, right? I mean, it, it really is. I mean, think about it this way. Infection grows in the shadows. Hmm. And the best way to get health is to put something into the light. And so to me, anything that would smack of distrust or that would cast a shadow on any part of the marriage, you know, holding back passwords, hiding social media, um, uh, to me, any couple that's unwilling to show an email or a text automatically invites darkness, shadow, or suspicion, and nothing healthy grows that way. Bring it all into the light. Uh, I mean, Scripture says, if we live in the light as he is in the light, I mean, he, we, we see him existing in our life and we should do the same thing in our marriage. All right. So let, let's, let's talk to the couple then that have separate bank accounts to where um, they, they treat, hey, this is your account, this is my account, 
that you make your money, I make my money. I mean, this is a that's a big problem too. <laughs> it is, and even then, I mean, I, I've talked with couples about that. I've, I've um, I remember a couple that I sat with that were talking about, well, he doesn't get me his rent check. I'm like, wait, <laughs> let's back up a little bit. Uh, why do you have separate accounts? <laughs> I'm like, well, why are we operating with mine and yours? But because even right then, we are already setting ourselves up for defeat because anything that breaks up the oneness automatically sets us up for division. Psalms 133, where there's unity, God commands his blessing. The enemy's design for us is never unity because that's how God wants to work in us. He wants division, two visions, two focuses, two separated lives, trying to live looking like your one life. And so to me, marriage is best when the two become one. And, uh, you know, I know I've known couples that have combined accounts, but they have separate hobby accounts yeah, yeah. or, you know, spending accounts because there's, there's a way they're doing budgeting. There's a difference between strategic plan of budgeting and living life separately with mine and yours. If it's mine and yours, we've missed yeah, the boat. Amen. That's so good. Well, the key scripture for marriage is found in Genesis 2.24. And of course, Jesus quoted that, as you already mentioned. For this reason, man will leave his father and mother and unite, unite with his wife in the building of a home. And they shall become one yeah. flesh. So everything in marriage, just to reiterate what you said, is to drive people towards that oneness, mm -hmm. correct? So Absolutely. I mean, that, but that's the journey of life. And, and we see so many couples abandoning oneness. lifetime of working together becoming that two becoming one amen well in in chapter three you share 10 ideas to give a try and i i just i just i, I love how each chapter is set up there's so many things to apply it's not a book of just you telling couples what to do, but you're walking them through some steps that they could take. And if they would be willing just to try some of these things, they could see their marriage improve. They could see their marriage get healthier. They can see things get better. They can see them begin to develop a oneness. So if, if, if you will, let's unpack some of these, some of these ideas that, that couples should, should try. But before we even talk about them, why don't why don't you share your concept of what it means to, 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 to try? Is then, hey, I'm not saying you have to do this, but let's, let's give this a shot. All right, if you guys could stand by, it looks like we lost the connection and our producer is going to get Dave back on the line. So if you could Sorry just hang, hang tight and if you're just joining us, I have been talking with Dave Berenger. He's the pastor of K-First Kalamazoo, Michigan. He's the author of Mosaic Marriage and we're trying to get him back on the line right now. I'm back. 
I'm all back, man. All right, there you are. You're back. Yeah. Sorry about that. You were talking about the try, and all of a sudden, uh, on a, we never have internet problems, but for some reason today, Chuck signs all on right. with me. Can you hear me? And I sign with Chuck, and we have it. We're all good. <laughs> we're good. All right. I, I can see you, and um, but I cannot hear you. But I, I think you oh, can boy. hear me, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um yeah, you yeah. gotta love. You gotta love technology. It's a work in progress. It's like marriage, right? <laughs> gotta gotta work these things out. So um, hopefully, I'll be able to get you back in my ears here in a, in a second. But our producer is in sweet, the studio sweet. right now. So for those just joining us again, we're talking with Pastor Dave Beringer, Beringer pastor of K First Kalamazoo, Michigan. He's the author of Mosaic Marriage, and right now we're, we're just talking about marriage and I'm I've just asked Dave yeah. to, to share there's in chapter three of his book he shares 10 things that 10 ideas mm-hmm. that couples should try so um, mm-hmm. while we get your audio I believe everybody can hear you but me Dave so um, why don't you go ahead and and share share about some of these ideas some things that man, we can try that's going to help us head towards a healthy marriage when when I think about trying, I think about giving something a chance with the intention of seeing if if that's going to work. Um, for most couples, I find that they try something once or they try something twice, and then because they don't see something sticking immediately, they give up. But my view is you keep trying over and over and over till something becomes a habit. So that's why in chapter three we talk about trying to smile. Learning to smile more. My, I, I, for some reason, have this natural scowl, so I have to purposely smile. Um, try to compliment. Try to surprise your spouse. Um, try prayer and devotions. Um, I even put try nudity. Even if you're not as, uh, as strong of a libido as your spouse, get naked. Try nudity with your spouse. Try to go on a date. Uh, maybe you've uh, given up on dating or you haven't dated in a while. Try doing consistent dates. Try to listen instead of speaking. Uh, try forgiveness. Try to do things that are healthy. Or maybe just talk as a couple and say, what can we do to try to get healthy? And what does that look like? What haven't we done in a while? What hasn't happened um, that's going to help us be a couple? So... It's it's just something that I think that every couple needs to just embrace of the try, because I think the win is not necessarily in what you do. The win is you guys working together and trying something together. All right. Now I can hear you, man. <laughs> nice. Hey, hey, man. So um, thanks for unpacking that. I have no idea what you just said, but uh, but but now now I'm back. So. Man, I don't know what's what's going on. Just so it's kind of funny we're talking about marriage because marriage is filled with all kinds of, of little 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 snags. Um, so I guess we're, we're talking about the ten ideas that that we should give a try. And um, mm-hmm. and did you did you go through all ten of those? Yeah, I, I just kind of briefly just walked through all ten. But the crux of that chapter to me is a couple trying something together um, because it's all about developing habits, developing uh, good, healthy things. But the reality is it's all about 
doing something together. And far too often I have wives that are trying and husbands not or vice versa. But if I can get couples trying things from dating, um, getting naked, um, <laughs> laughing, uh, whatever it is, you know, well, not laughing and naked together. That's a different issue. But I'm talking about just engaging with one another in active trying because they say it takes about 28 days to form a habit. And, and imagine if you tried something for 28 days just one thing you would have that phenomenal habit and then you move on to the next thing every month you can literally try something new and work for 12 months develop 12 phenomenal habits for your marriage okay man that's good that's good one thing that you do mention um, in the book when it comes to devotions there are some couples that feel this weight that they absolutely have to do devotions together every day but one of the things that you bring out in the book is you know what there's times where it's okay to do devotion separately. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My wife and I read at different levels and at different paces. Um, for example, I know the I, I know that I originally got to know you through Jared Wilson's podcast. So when I bought Jared's book, my wife took it and she wouldn't let me read it until she was done. And well, I read at different paces, and so I basically she reads it first, and I'll read it next. But we've just agreed that we struggle with the idea of doing a devotion together because I would rather read it one time a day. She reads at another time a day. And so instead of demanding us being on the same pace, we want to be on the same page, which means that uh, we talk about the things that we're reading together. We love taking walks and unpacking some things that, that we're going through in our personal journeys as well as in our marital journey. And so it is, it has helped us understand oneness is not just discovered between us, but also through our individuality, because we go through different seasons sometimes as individuals that does affect the marriage. So we've just learned how to navigate that oneness by embracing who we are and how that fits when the two become becomes one. And that devotional life, we've just had this weight lifted off our shoulders that says we have to read the exact same thing at the exact same moment. And we, we've held that release of, Wow, we can actually dive deeper into our walks with Christ while encouraging each other in, in where the other person is at. It's wonderful. It's very liberating. Awesome. In fact, God could be speaking to you. God will be speaking to her. Then you could come together and sit and, and, and share and discuss and, and man, talk about having some great conversation about what you're learning, what she's learning. That obviously can, yeah. can help dialogue much better than if you were just sitting there reading together at the same time. And obviously, when you're on different schedules, so hard to do. So, man, that's good. That's good. Um, well, listen. Let's I'll, let's talk a little bit. We have a, a just a little bit of time left. And I, in chapter 18, you you offer a weekly marriage checklist. So um, there are eight mm -hmm. eight different things in that checklist: overview, worship point, you know, date, alone time, place of generosity, intimate moments, laughter and fun, and and heavy encouragement um what's what's why don't you share a little bit about this checklist what's the purpose of it how can it help um the purpose of having a bit of a checklist because uh the average the average couple 
they'll say, we just don't know what we should do. And they, they're thinking about a moment. And instead of a moment, I like to think of, of things a week at a time, because if we could forecast the type of elements in the week, we can get those things done. So if something that my wife and I have learned to do is we, we like taking walks and we like talking about what to expect in the week, because if we can get the expectations uh, as close as possible to the experience, there's less room for disappointment between the two. And so if couples talk about, you know, what to expect in a week, do, are we dating? Are we encouraging each other? Um, are we celebrating things? Are we having intimate time? And intimacy is not just sex, but there's just intimate quality time, words of affirmation, um, acts of service. If we could talk about the expectations of the week, it actually helps us to live that thing out because marriage, good marriage doesn't happen by default. Our flesh seems to be our default. So if it would develop good expectations, we then know what to expect. And again, we can have less of a gap of disappointment by really seeing, having a plan, and then living that out. Man, that's, that's good stuff, man. I tell you what, um, such a good book, such a good book. And for those that are watching and listening right now, why don't you tell our readers how they can get a copy of Mosaic Marriage? Uh, you can go to mosaicmarriage.com, or if you're like me, and when you learn about the word mosaic and you can't spell it right, you just Google search it. So mosaicmarriage.com, <laughs> um, or you can just go on Amazon, find it there. I'm a terrible speller. Um, my blog is pdave.me. You can get it through there. But either way, um, Mosaic Marriage to me, it's, it's all of my blogs put into one book, but it's there to help give one reading point a week, just one reading point a week, something to work on during the week that the both of you can help see that, yeah, there's going to be brokenness, you're human, but take a step back and see what God sees in terms of the potential and the beauty of what your marriage is becoming. Man, well, thank you so much, Pastor Dave. Thank you for taking your time. I want to encourage everyone that are, that are watching you to, man, to grab, grab, grab the book, man, and um, go to mosaicmarriage.com. You can also go to amazon.com. You can Follow Dave and his blog to get some more more tips. And in fact, uh, you're getting ready to, to print a second book, right? Yeah, yeah. I have had a heart to develop a resource for brand new Christians, brand new believers. Um, I, I, I kind of grew up in this hearing about, well, you gave your heart to Christ. You put your faith in Jesus. Now you got to go read this. You got to pray this. You got to fast. You got to attend church. You got to tithe. You got, you, we gave this massive list. And what I, what I really felt burdened for was giving people simple next steps to work on. And if I can help a new Christian take one next step and work on that and develop that, we can actually help create stronger disciples rather than overwhelmed Christians. And in turn, having deeper, stronger people of faith. So that's what the, the book's called, Launch Point, and I'm hoping it's going to be available in about a month or so. I'm pretty excited about it. All right, man. Well, I'm excited for you, proud of you. Look forward to having you back on to talk about that. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Good deal. Well, listen, can you close us out today by taking a moment to pray for those that are watching? I'm sure there, I mean, there could be a, a husband who's broken, a wife who just feels hopeless can you, let's pray for marriages, pray for those watching, maybe pray for those that are single, that are believing God to send the right spouse and um, encourage people through prayer. Absolutely, man. 
Lord, I just speak your blessings on this time and specifically on every single individual that is listening. Uh, Lord, above all, right now, I just pray for hope to rise in, Lord, whether it's the, the, the bedroom where they're watching or listening or their car or the living room, wherever they find themselves, I pray that hope would rise. And your scripture says that Abraham uh, believed and had hope where there seemed to be no hope. And I pray that that type of hope would rise in hearts and Uh, a beautiful in and through the marriage. I pray that there would be hope for love again, hope for peace, hope for unity. Lord, I pray for singles out there that maybe are frustrated with, with what they have uh, experienced in the dating process. I pray for hope to rise and that they would see that you have not forgotten about them. That mercy have not forgotten about them. They're pursuing them all of the days of their lives. Lord, guard their minds, guard the unity of our marriages. I pray that people would, would uh, work harder with their spouse and against their spouse, knowing that, Lord, it is not our job to change. It, that's your job. It's, it's our job to love. So, God, I just speak your blessings upon one and all, and I speak that in Jesus' Amen. name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, man, Dave, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to, to be here. Look forward to having you again. For those that are watching and listening, we also yeah. want to thank you for, for taking time to, to be here today. Our guest has been Dave Berenger. He's the author of Mosaic Marriage. And for more information about that, go to mosaicmarriage.com. Our producer is Mike Sable. I'm Chuck Tate. We look forward to seeing you next time on 41 Strong. PeoriaLife.com. Thank you.